This is Dr. Bill Griffin, the Vice President for Dental Ministries with the Christian Medical and Dental Associations, coming to you with another episode of Dental Soundbites. This month's podcast is a repeat of a CMDA Matters recording that our CEO, Dr. Mike Chupp, and I did together with a speaker from the Faith Prescriptions video resource, Dr. Kathy Scarborough. Enjoy. Hi, this is Dr. Mike Chupp, and you're listening to CMDA Matters, the weekly podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Well, over the past several months, you've heard me talk on a regular basis about faith prescriptions. And our guest today is Dr. Kathy Scarborough, a CMDA member from Alabama who was introduced to me about four years ago by Dr. Walt Laramore as one of the finest learners of his teaching series that was called Grace Prescriptions. Walt wanted me to meet Kathy because she had become an outstanding teacher of the principles of Grace Prescriptions, including the integration of students and residents in that training. Well, Dr. Bill Griffin is not only our CMDA Vice President of Dental Ministry, but he also oversaw the production of the Faith Prescriptions on-demand video series. Bill and I both feel that Kathy is an incredible role model. As a Christian doctor who integrates faith and spiritual ministry into her medical practice consistently and reproduces herself by preparing the next generation. We share more about her background and her work in the upcoming interview. So let's listen in to our recent conversation. Today on CMDA Matters, I'm joined by Dr. Bill Griffin, who is the producer of our new Faith Prescriptions series. And the reason he's here with me this morning is because our very special guest has produced two of the modules for Faith Prescriptions. Dr. Kathy Scarborough is the Associate Program Director for the Gadsden Regional Family Medicine Program in Gadsden, Alabama. Her medical degree is from UTHSC in Memphis, Tennessee and she completed her residency at the In His Image Family Residency in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She then served in Central Asia with the Samaritan's Purse post-residency program, teaching family medicine there. When she came back to the U.S., she spent two years in private practice prior to returning to academics and teaching. So for the last decade, she has been serving as the Associate Program Director, Director of Fellowships and Medical Education, other titles, Director of Clinical Services, Institutional Coordinator, Hospital Department Chair, and Associate Professor of Family Medicine at several programs. Wow, I ran out of breath on all those titles. Her interests include global health, women's health, and international family medicine education. She has been to more than 35 countries. That's amazing, Kathy. Serving, teaching, and sharing about whole person medicine. She's in Gadsden, Alabama but still refers to West Tennessee as her home. So welcome to CMDA Matters today, Dr. Scarborough. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to join you today. Well, we got to meet actually at the famed Louisville conference uh, a few years ago, and sitting at the table was Dr. Walt Larimore, who together with Bill Peel uh, produced Grace Prescriptions. And one of the reasons we were sitting there is that Dr. Larimore wanted me to understand that 
grace prescriptions that introducing faith into practice was just as applicable for an academic teaching situation as it was for private practice. Uh, Do you remember that conversation? Yes, that was a great meeting that day. Well, out of that came some talk that maybe someday we would come up with a new generation of um, training uh, videos, uh, series, talks about how to bring faith into practice in healthcare. And Walt said, Mike, if you do that, please make sure that Kathy is part of the teaching faculty. And, and you have been. And Griff, how has how Dr. Scarborough played a part in faith prescriptions? Well, Kathy, we're grateful that you agreed to lead actually two episodes of Faith Prescriptions. Uh, the first was one of the core episodes, which dealt with sharing the good news. And that's a, a key topic because there are lots of peripheral issues as to how we can uh, introduce elements of the gospel. But when you get that opportunity to actually verbally communicate the good news of Christ, that's that's huge. And, and Kathy, you were the perfect person to do that. I'll ask you a, a follow-up question. What do you see as some of the most important principles to remember when it comes to actually sharing the good news with our patients? Well, I'd say like the first thing is that we know the gospel ourselves, you know, that we actually know that it's good news and it's life and it's light to those around us and that it really is the best news out there. So I think that's the primary thing um, is that we know the gospel ourselves Um, The second thing would be um, looking for open doors. You know, there's a big difference between waiting for things to just happen with patients and actually looking for opportunities. If we have that expectation that, you know, God is at work in and through our patients' lives and in our life, then he will show up. The Holy Spirit will be there with us and show us what we need to say and how we need to say it. Of course, we're always doing this you know, with permission and in context with patients. But sharing the good news is not a hard thing. The Holy Spirit is actually doing all the heavy lifting for us. You mentioned in your talk, and I thought it was simply profound, that a big part of it is just open your mouth. And and I can envision situations where I've tried to anticipate what they might say and what I might say. But when you open your mouth, when you begin to communicate the gospel, as you mentioned, the Holy Spirit gives you that insight and the, the conversations go far better than we could have anticipated. Yes, definitely. Um, I think I probably mentioned in one of the segments that I don't think I've ever shared the gospel the same way twice, Um, (laughs) because it really is in context for um, that patient and their particular situation and also what God is showing you to say to that patient. And so just being open and ready for that is a big part of it. All of us the word tells us not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. With regard to praying with our patients, some are apprehensive because it's going to take some more time, isn't it? And how are you able to weave praying with and for patients into a busy daily routine? Well, it does go back to looking for opportunities um, and knowing that God is always at work. So actually looking for those, a lot of times if I'm just starting my day and just looking at my calendar, my list of patients and just jumping right in, I don't see those opportunities, honestly. So taking the time at the beginning of my day to say, God, just show me, even if there's just one person that you want me to connect with today, but also knowing that God already knows the situation that the patient's in. Like, You know, sometimes when we talk about having time, it's because we think we have to have all the details or ask more questions or dig into, 
you know, all of the patient's background, but that's, that's not true. It's very rare for someone to actually refuse prayer because an offer of prayer to a patient is an offer of care to them. Mm-hmm. So when we're humble and we are vulnerable ourselves as healthcare workers and show patients that we're willing to seek answers um, when we need help, I think that helps to open them up to us as well and actually create more opportunities in the future for those spiritual conversations. Now, Kathy, at times, uh, those of us in healthcare could certainly be intimidated by the thought that perhaps we don't know enough to communicate the gospel, that uh, what if they ask this or what if they ask that? But you succinctly point out the fact that one doesn't need a seminary degree to tell people about Jesus. And uh, tell our listeners more about what we do need. Uh, What would qualify us to communicate the good news to our patients? I think the first thing is knowing your own story. My best friend has told me multiple times um, that a person with a testimony is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. Mm -hmm. So knowing your testimony is just super important. Knowing what Jesus has done for you and understanding who he is, you know, remembering where our focus lies. It lies on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the creator of the universe. He's holy, high, lifted up. And that if we have a healthy, fear of the Lord instead of fear of man, that helps us to overcome any inner uh, timidity that we might have. You know, um, the Bible also tells us that God, um, he's not given us a spirit of timidity, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And so part of that sound mind is knowing your opportunities in front of you and being willing to share. The Bible also tells us that those who overcame, overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So our testimony is very important. It's very important to Jesus. It's very important to the gospel writers. And so as we see more and more of that, I think it's so important just to be willing to share your story. As we're finding out all too much these days, you know, words matter. Words matter, vocabulary matters. But our word as a trusted healthcare provider showing that how we trust Jesus for our answers and for our eternal salvation is very important to communicate to our patients as well. And Kathy, would you agree? I mean, authenticity is critical. I mean, an ongoing active uh, relationship walk with the Lord is, is critical. And I'm just thinking from John 9, the story of the blind man and the Pharisees, you know, saying this kind of just give test, give glory to God because this guy's a sinner. And he says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And it's it's just a great example in Scripture of how it's tough to refute what God has done in transforming our hearts. So talk to us about that ongoing authenticity to allow us to have a real testimony to share with our patients. A lot of people that I found or I've talked to are very hesitant to share their own personal story with patients. Um, we see that healthcare worker, physician, patient, provider relationship, and it's like it's become more transactional. But the more that we press in to that relationship, the more that that patient is actually able to see that, hey, my physician, uh, my dentist, my physical therapist um, needs help too. And so many times I've actually shared personal parts of my own story or where I failed or where God has come through with for me miraculously. Other patient stories where they've had 
healings, where they've had breakthrough with their families, just to give people encouragement, like being able to share that with people and to be real about it is very, very important. Now, Kathy, I'm going to guess that when you were first coming out of medical school, entering your residency program, you probably weren't quite as comfortable with meeting the spiritual needs of your patients as you are now. I would think that all of our listeners would love to advance in their abilities to do this. What are some of the factors that helped you over the years in fulfilling your desire to to meet the spiritual needs of your patients? I think a big thing was seeing the people who came before me. You know, we're on the shoulders of giants who have come before us, not only in the faith, but in healthcare. So having people to mentor me and to show me, but also realizing the importance of this in my own life, like coming to that, having the Holy Spirit show that to me, I sought out opportunities to grow and to learn. So, you know, just as we study medicine, we also want to study spiritual things Mm -hmm. and we want to study what those who have gone before us have done and what they've modeled for us and to be purposeful about that. So, you know, looking at resources like I went through the original saline solution seminars and then grace prescriptions mm-hmm. and then, you know, things like the perspectives course in the world of Islam, but also going to things like GMHC and the CMDA annual conference and being a part of an amazing local CMDA group have all helped. Now I'm going through the Colson Center Fellowship. And so being purposeful about seeking out those opportunities that, you know, Being saved is just not one moment in time. We are saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. And so this is a part of that middle section is that we are being purposeful about seeking after Jesus and how we might share him with others. What I hear you saying, Kathy, is two things, basically. One is it's great to get more information about how we do this. But secondly, and I think integral to what you're describing is that that fellowship, that challenging one of another, that encouragement we get from others is also a big factor in enabling us to be regular in our spiritual interventions. Yes. Having a community of believers around you is so important. I know that when I was in medical school, like if I didn't have my CMDA brothers and sisters around me, I don't know that I would have made it, honestly. Just having them there to be there to encourage me and to hold me accountable when I wasn't walking the narrow path was very important. And so having those connections with people for each step of your journey, whether it's as a medical student, a resident, a young physician just starting out, or even later on, if you're in academics or in a specialty, it's just very important to have that community of believers around you. And whether that's mentoring Kathy or whether it's peer-to-peer, I mean, think about how many things we learn when we were residents from other residents, whether our level or a, a year or two ahead of us, and how they encountered some unique challenge and how they dealt with it. And then sometime later, we face the same challenge and we incorporate, we practice what we heard from them. And the same thing is true that if we will surround ourselves with those who are actively following Christ, they will rub off on us. The word says, as iron sharpens iron, that we can sharpen one another. So if we're not hanging out with, so to speak, those who are avidly following Christ and are in the trenches just like we are, it it, it may be—it's going to be more difficult, would you agree, for us to be able to incorporate spiritual interventions in patient care? It definitely is. I'll say, like, for some portions of my life where I have 
not been as close to the flock as I should have been where I was wandering away, you know, those were some very dark times for me, Um, not just personally, but also spiritually, because I did not have that love, that protection, that accountability around me. And so I realize it more and more how much our brothers and sisters are necessary to do this walk with Christ. You know, Kathy, you've, uh, as I mentioned in your in the intro, you've been to 35 countries serving, teaching, and sharing about whole person medicine. I just wonder what's your perspective on how spiritual interventions are different as you're practicing here in the U.S., whether in an academic setting or in a private practice setting, versus when you're in an international, uh, across-cultural setting? Well, it's interesting because I think there's two different parts to this. You know, one thing is to remember that people are the same no matter where you go. Hmm. There's illness, there's sickness, there's disease, there's addiction. Those are everywhere. And so a lot of people think, oh, I can't go overseas because I don't know about X, Y, or Z. Well, people are the same. Their diseases may be different. But people are the same and they have the same hopes and dreams for their families as you do and as we do here in the U.S. So keeping that in mind, it really helps to um, bridge our own trepidations sometimes when going overseas. Also, it does seem sometimes that people and we as healthcare workers seem to be more open to the spiritual when we're overseas. And, you know, I've, I've talked about this with some friends and you know, the things that we've come up with are, you know, there's less technology, there's less resources overseas. And so it seems like when you're overseas, those people that you meet, they're much more open to the spiritual and the spiritual life and a spiritual answer to their physical issue rather than a medical one. But in the U.S., we seem to always run to medicine and our resources and our technology first. We're so self-reliant Um, That it seems like the spiritual and a spiritual answer is sometimes an afterthought or we tag it on at the end when it should still be first. We should still remember that God is our healer. He is our father. He is our healer. He's the healer of all diseases, all infirmities. He took those upon himself. And so that is where we find our true and our utmost healing. In the U.S., I think sometimes we, with all of our resources and technology-rich environment that sometimes we think we're too smart for that. Well put. I appreciate what you've mentioned about similarities and differences between domestic spiritual interventions and and international ones. I also think about how complementary they can be because many of our members are serving internationally and yet are also involved in private practice or clinics in the U.S. And those international experiences can give us an open door to discuss with our patients what we learn internationally and how we see God at work. And that can also minister to our patients back in the States. Definitely. How would you recommend others be able to demonstrate spiritual interventions on a regular basis in their teaching practice? So one thing that is very helpful is to make sure that your students or your residents that you're rounding with are equipped to take a spiritual history or equipped to pray with patients and know the background of that. So a lot of times when I have students on rotation with me, at least one of our teaching times, we'll sit down and talk about the spiritual history. We'll talk about ways to take a spiritual history and why it's important. What is the evidence behind it? And how does it tie in to the patient's current condition? Um, We'll also talk about prayer and that taking a spiritual history and being sensitive to a patient's prayer needs and 
spiritual needs is actually a part of joint commission guidelines. And so um, you have a place to defend your position there, but teaching them how to do that, how to approach that. But I will make a note here that, you know, um, when I am on rounds, it seems like sometimes you're bringing just a herd of people <laughs> into a patient's room, yes. you know, there's lots of eyes and ears there. And um, it's very rare that I will address it then because there's so much pressure. There's pressure for the patient. There's pressure for you um, and sharing and sharing in those spiritual moments with patients is very intimate. It's a deep thing. And so many times I'll take that resident or that student who is with me back to that patient's room later on. We'll do our rounds and then we'll say, hey, we're going to come back and talk to you later about a few things if you don't mind. And then go back just one-on-one to have those conversations with patients because, you know, our goal is to meet the patient's needs and to show them who can meet their ultimate needs. You know, doing that in front of a lot of eyes and ears can sometimes make patients and or students or residents uncomfortable. And so doing that more in a one-on-one setting seems to be the, the style that works best for me. I've had some very esteemed CMDA academic folks tell me in the past, Mike, if I focus on spiritual interventions, then I'm at risk for making my surgical care or medical care less excellent. And I just feel that those who emphasize spiritual care, well, sometimes their clinical care isn't as great, isn't as excellent. What would you say in response to that? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> so, um, you know, the the thing that is, is that God, Jesus calls us to excellence in all areas of our lives, whether that's um, our spiritual life, whether that's our health care, career life, whether that's our family life and community with others, we are called to excellence. And so that means being competent in what you do as a healthcare provider, um, as a healthcare worker. And so knowing your stuff is very important. (laughs) And so not only just as being in healthcare, it's important to to know your specialty, know, you know, know your area, but it's also important to your witness to be competent, to be excellent at what you do. Like there's competence. Having competence doesn't mean that you have less compassion or having compassion doesn't mean that you're not competent. Um, They can go hand in hand, as we saw with Jesus himself. Um, He's our model. And so I would say, you know, I, in providing um, spiritual care to my patients, I would hope and I would think that my care is actually more excellent. Kathy, one of the episodes of Faith Prescriptions that I'm most excited about is the one you led for medical and dental students. And I think that there's an understandable but false perception among students that well, first they're going to get the physiologic part of their job down, and then they're going to integrate the spiritual part later. But in your uh, episode 11, uh, you explain very clearly that there are spiritual interventions that are fully appropriate for students to enter into, even as their students. Things such as taking a spiritual history, praying with patients. And so I, I love the fact that you uh, emphasize that the training of a student or a resident is to include not just the physiologic training, but also how they plan to interact with their patients spiritually. Yes, if we're not asking those questions and understanding that part of the patient's background, then we're leaving out a huge part of who they are and treating them as a whole person. 
you know, it's very important for students to and residents to understand that they have a bigger and better role to play sometimes than even the attending does. Um, many times students and residents will have more time with patients either on the floor or at the bedside than the attending does. The attending um, comes in, rushes in, has table rounds, goes and sees patients, and then they're off to clinic or off to other teaching duties. But the resident and the student is there all day. Mm -hmm. And so I know that they have other things that they're doing and they're admitting and discharging patients, but they have um, more time to actually focus on that patient's needs. And as we said before, you know, taking a spiritual history, praying with patients, all those things are part of joint commission guidelines. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of evidence to do what we do. And so um, you really have a place to defend your position. A lot of students and residents think, oh, well, what if I get caught doing this? Um, will I get into trouble? It's like, no, you actually have evidence to back you up. And so I would actually encourage them in that. We've had some students on the program in the past who've shared how God used them. And I just admire their courage. And one of them in particular <laughs> said, you know, I guess if I get kicked out of medical school, then it will have been good for a good purpose. I, uh, I, I watched the module last night in which you're talking about students and residents incorporating spiritual interventions. And I, I like the, the, the challenge that came from Dr. Far Curlin in that module as a cameo appearance. And, you know, not all student revolutions are good, but I think this is a student revolution that we would mm -hmm. welcome students uh, as Far Curlin challenged them, us, to recover this noble profession and to quit the silos of just physical care, leaving out the spiritual, the biopsychosocial model as it's described. Well, we're running out of time, Kathy. Uh, any other challenges? I'll give you a, a shot to our listeners to challenge them to think more deeply about spiritual care, spiritual inventions, and, and in particular, sharing the good news. Well, I would encourage listeners to stay in the Word. The Word is the key. <laughs> Scripture is a light to our path. And so, you know, it's so easy to fall away whether you're in an academic environment, whether you're in residency, whether you're in, you're in medical school or dental school, it's easy to fall away and to get lost in the profession. And so I would just encourage people to look for like-minded people, look for your people, whether that's peers, mentors, professors, your local CMDA group. Um, if you don't have one, start one. <laughs> And so look for your community to actually help encourage one another, to build each other up, and to be able to, to share the gospel more effectively. Well, Kathy, I want to thank you for joining us today. I just I want to encourage you with my life's ministry verse, which is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, and followed by a couple of great verses about the gospel. Paul says, For this reason, Timothy, I remind you, and I remind you, Kathy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through uh, the laying on of, well, Paul's hands and through God's word. For God didn't give us a spirit of timidity. Uh, and I appreciate that you're courageous, Kathy, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And then he says, So, Timothy, don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. How? By the power of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of just talk, but of power. And so it's critical for all of us to walk in that power daily, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and to let him move us 
and guide us and open our mouths as you have challenged us to do. So Dr. Scarborough, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. And I'm, I'm going to pray that today you'll have some opportunities to be all about changing hearts in healthcare. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to Dr. Walt Laramore for introducing us, both Bill Griffin and I, to Dr. Kathy Scarborough. She had such an impact on our Faith Prescriptions video series that we have developed at CMDA. You've heard us talk about that series, Faith Prescriptions, on a regular basis on this podcast in the last several months. If you haven't checked it out yet, now is the perfect time to do so because we've recently added a couple of new episodes. You know, in the book of Acts, Christ's final command before he ascended into heaven was that his disciples be witnesses. Pointing people to Christ is a mandate, and it's also an incredible opportunity. As Kathy shared with us, those of us who serve in the healthcare professions have the best opportunities to point individuals toward Christ. One of our big priorities here at CMDA is to help train healthcare professionals to integrate their faith into their practice of healthcare, whatever that is. That's why we've worked with healthcare professionals just like Kathy to produce faith prescriptions. This on-demand video series will teach you to share your faith in ethical as well as appropriate ways with colleagues and your patients. It will teach you to pray with patients and so much more. To get started with the series, which is free to our CMDA members, just visit the CMDA Learning Center using the URL cmda.org learning. What an encouragement it is to tap into the wisdom of colleagues such as Dr. Kathy Scarborough. I hope you were encouraged and inspired by her story as I was. Among her most insightful comments was her recommendation to look for like-minded people to encourage you to share the gospel more effectively. This is perhaps the primary reason we developed Faith Prescriptions, not just so you could download great information, but so that you and others could encourage one another to greater faithfulness in this area. I personally am a member of a group in Eastern Virginia, and there are many other groups meeting across the country for this very purpose. So consider grabbing a few colleagues to go through the series with and to see how the Lord will use you to bring the joy of Christ to your patients. And now here's Jamie Majeski with a few timely announcements. Are you ready to live missionally as a healthcare student, trainee, or professional? Registration is now open for Remedy 23, Healthcare on Mission which will be held on April 14th and 15th at Liberty University. Missional living in healthcare has always involved swimming upstream, but it seems to be getting harder. Our culture, workplaces, and institutions are not as friendly to faith as they once were. Living on mission for Jesus and setting biblical principles as our true north can be hard. Remedy 23 will challenge you to grow in your understanding of what missional living looks like. For some, missional living will ultimately involve a plane ride to move to a far-off place for long-term service. For others, missional living happens in our own communities, institutions, and workplaces here in the U.S. 
What does it look like for you? Join us for Remedy 23 and find out. For more information and to register, visit cmda.org remedy. Have you registered yet for the 2023 CMDA National Convention? Time is ticking away and you don't wanna miss your chance to reserve your spot. This year, we are gathering together in the Cincinnati, Ohio area at the Northern Kentucky Convention Center on April 27th through 30th. This convention provides great opportunities to learn about current health and social issues, renew your faith through worship, and network with other Christian healthcare professionals and exhibiting organizations. Don't wait. Visit natcon.cmda.org to register today. Are you interested in short-term mission trips? Well, now is the time to start thinking about signing up for a global health outreach trip. GHO sends teams around the world to places like El Salvador, East Africa, India, the Pacific, Central Asia, Nicaragua, the Middle East, and many others. Through these trips, we disciple participants, grow national churches, share the gospel, and provide care to the poor and needy. Our teams minister in outpatient primary care medicine and dentistry, and in small and large hospitals to provide surgical services. If you are interested in using the skills and resources the Lord has entrusted to you, please visit cmda.org gho to learn more and find a trip that works in your schedule. I plan to tap into all three events Jamie just mentioned. Regarding our national convention, here's a quick update. Our registrations are on pace to bring about the largest meeting in the history of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. In addition, we already have more dentists and more dental students registered for this meeting than ever before. There's never been a better year to join us. Just go to natcon.cmda.org. Hope to see you in Cincinnati. In closing, thank you for your support as a member of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Through your membership, you are taking seriously the Apostle Paul's admonition in Hebrews 10.24 to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Until next time, God bless. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.